Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church, a campus of Mount Perrin North. We exist to help people live a Christ-centered life, and we hope that you are encouraged by today's message. Well, I know that the last thing you want to do is you want to hear me talk, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm a preacher. That's what I do. Hey, last week we started a series, and we talked about Christmas carols, and we talked about the fact that in Christmas seasons, the songs of Christmas kind of take us back to our childhood. They kind of take us back to the reason that we celebrate and what we love to celebrate. And we talked about the song of Mary. Uh, out of the Bible where she was singing this song after having talked to this angel about what was going to happen to her. And so just for a couple minutes before we dismiss today, I just thought that I would jump back into Luke chapter 1 where we spent some time last week. So if you got a Bible, you want to flip with me there to Luke chapter 1. We're going to just spend a couple of minutes looking at another story, uh, another song out of the Christmas story by a character that may be a little less familiar to you than Mary. You know, Mary's the one that we know. She's in the nativity set at your house. She's kneeling there next to the manger. She's Jesus's mother. She's Joseph's wife. So we know Mary. But in Luke chapter 1, there is another song that's sung or a poem that's recited by a man in this story that, again, you may not be as familiar with. His name is Zechariah. Now, the name Zechariah appears several places throughout Scripture, but really in Luke chapter 1 is, is one of the only places where we read about or understand anything about this guy that we're talking about today. And as a part of the Christmas story, he sees an angel, talks to an angel, the angel Gabriel, which we'll talk about in just a minute. And then at the end of Luke chapter 1, at the very end, the last few verses of Luke chapter 1, we see the song that he sings in response to what's happening in his life. So I want us to read together, beginning in verse 68 from Luke chapter 1, the last few verses of this chapter, and then we'll come back and talk about it. This is what it says in Luke 1, beginning in verse 68. Praise be to the Lord the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The the oath that he swore to our father Abraham was to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in, in, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Now, when we read this, there's some really great truth that comes out of this song. There's some really great things that we want to focus on in this Christmas season and things that we would naturally celebrate that come out of this. But I think it makes even more sense and it's even more impactful when we understand the man and understand the circumstances that bring us this song from Zechariah. If you know anything about Luke chapter 1, we understand that Zechariah is going to be the father of the guy that we would later know to be John the Baptist. Now, his last name is not actually the Baptist. It's just John in Scripture. But we know him to be John the Baptist. Uh, but he is the guy, Zechariah is, who is a priest. He's a priest at this point in history and for the people of God. And so Zechariah is working one day. Uh, he's an older man. He's married to an older woman. They don't have children. 
And his wife, Elizabeth, she's barren, and they can't have children. So he's working one day at the temple. And so uh, Zechariah is there. And the way that they did this is they would kind of cast lots. They would draw names for who was going to go in and make sacrifice that day, who was going to go in and offer the burnt offerings. And so in Luke chapter 1, towards the beginning of the chapter, we see that that day the lot falls on Zechariah, and it's his turn to go into the temple and to make burnt uh, sacrifice to God. And so they draw his name, and so he goes in. And when he goes in to make this sacrifice... All of a sudden, the angel Gabriel appears to him and says, Zechariah, here's what you need to know. Um, God is going to allow you and your wife, Elizabeth, even though she's old and even though she's barren, he's going to allow you to conceive and to have a son. And when you have a son, you're going to name him John. And he's going to have this incredible place in history because he's going to prepare the way for Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the Messiah. He's coming. And then Zechariah does what we do. He does what uh, Mary did last week in the story. He says, how can this be? I'm an old man. Like, how can this be? That's what we do, right? When God wants to do something supernatural in our lives, when God wants to do something spectacular in our lives, what we do is what Zechariah did. It's what Mary did last week when she said, how can this be what you're telling me, the angel of God, because I'm a virgin? How am I going to conceive and have a child? Well, in the same way, Zechariah says, well, how can this be? Because I'm an old man. Like, how is this going to happen? And so the angel, this is, this is not exactly what it says in your Bible, but pretty much the Jeremy translation says this. Listen, I'm the angel Gabriel. And I just came from heaven, and I literally heard this from God's mouth. Like, this is the plan. This is the story. But since you don't get it, now, I'm not sure that he spoke with as much sarcasm as I just did, but that's pretty much what he said. I just heard this from God. How dare you not believe it? He said, here's the deal. Since you don't believe it, you're going to go mute. You don't get to say words for the next nine months. Like, you don't get to talk at all. So you have to shut your mouth since the only thing coming out of your mouth is this unbelief in the plan's of God. And so he comes out of the sacrifice that he's been burning there before God. And it's like the people had been worried about him. They're like, what's taking you so long? Did you trip? Did you fall down? Did you burn yourself? Like what happened? And so he's trying to play his own version of the game of charades. Like, you know, there was an angel and my wife is going to be pregnant. And like, he's making these symbols. That's what Luke chapter one tells us. And they see because of the symbols that he's trying to reenact for them, that he saw a vision and he goes home. And sure enough, he and his wife, they conceive a child and they stay in, in secret, they stay hidden for the first five months of her pregnancy. And then we see that Mary, the mother of Jesus, while she is carrying Jesus, she comes and she celebrates with Elizabeth, who is carrying John. And together they celebrate, and through the Holy Spirit, the child in Elizabeth's womb rejoices and leaps with joy because of the presence of the Messiah that is in Mary's womb. And then Elizabeth, as happens at the end of pregnancies so often, she has a baby. And Zechariah is there. And once she has this child, the people that are there helping her, they say to her, are you going to name your son Zechariah on behalf of his father? And she says, no, his name will be John. And they're like, what? John? You don't have any Johns in your family. Why would you call him John? And Zechariah grabs a writing tablet and he writes on the tablet, his name will be John. And in that act of obedience, in that moment of courage to believe what God had told him through the angel Gabriel way back then, nine months before, his tongue becomes free, the Holy Spirit fills him, and he begins to proclaim this song. And now that you understand the context, I want us to read it one more time and understand after he's been silent for nine months, like if I had to be quiet for nine months, I've got some things I think I'd want to get off my chest. 
right? I know when I've done some fasting and I haven't eaten for a while, like eventually there comes a point where I start dreaming about what my first meal is going to be. Maybe nobody that's ever fasted has done that, but I do. I think that's the way the Lord works in my life. But when, if I had to be quiet for nine months, I'm probably making a list in my head of some things I want to say to some folks when I get my mouth back, right? Zacharias had to be quiet for nine months. And when he opens his mouth, this is what he says. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And then he's speaking to his son. You, my child, John, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. He'd been quiet for nine months, and when he had opportunity to speak, this is what he said. This is the message of Christmas. And it's interesting to me that all month long, all season long, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. We're going to talk about so many things in this Christmas season. But I wonder what would happen if God would forcibly shut our mouths until we had something worth saying. Like, I wonder, because if you think about it, the last thing that came out of his mouth is, how can this be, I'm an old man? And the next thing that comes out of his mouth is, praise be to the Lord our God. Like, what if in this Christmas season, with so much to do and so much to talk about, what if God just shut our mouths until we could prove to him that he could trust the words that were going to come out of our mouths? Like, what if in this Christmas season, the things that we were talking about were the things that declared the truth of God to the people that needed to know it the most? I think it's verse 77. It's not going to be up on the screen. But I think 77 and 78, when Zechariah starts talking to his son, this baby that can't even understand the words that he's saying, he says to him, you will prepare the way for the Lord and you will deliver the message of salvation to the people for the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of God. That's Christmas. Christmas is preparing the way so that the message of salvation, which is the forgiveness of sins, would make its way to the people that need it most so that they would understand the tender mercy of God. And in this Christmas season, that's what I encourage all of us to do, to prepare the way. With all the things that we can be talking about, what should we be talking about? With all the things that are going on that we could be doing, what should we be doing? I think for all of us in this room this morning, it's, it's an encouragement, it's a challenge, it's a conviction to say, what is it that I'm speaking about? Do the words that come out of my mouth sound more like, how can this be God? Or do they sound like, praise be to God? 
And we have to prepare the way for the message of salvation. And you can do that a couple of different ways. You can have spiritual conversations. You can ask God to open your heart and open your mind and to see people the way that he sees them and to understand that God desires for them to be saved. And so you have spiritual conversations. Or there could be some really practical things. You heard just a minute ago about our Christmas schedule. Next Sunday, we've got three services, and it's normal services here where we'll celebrate Christmas and the reason for the season. And then on the 24th and 25th, we've got these three opportunities for people to come and to hear the message of the gospel. And there's this amazing statistic, and statistics are true because they're true. They usually tell us what they tell us, and they mean what they mean. But at this season of time, 86% of people that are unchurched say that they would come to church at Christmas if somebody that they know would invite them. 86% of people. You know those 86% of people. And if you bring them here on the 24th or the 25th at one of those three services, here's what I know because I'm doing it. They're going to hear the message of the gospel. We've prepared the way. We've prayed for them already, and we will continue to pray for them and pray for you. And you need to bring some folks to this place so that they can hear the message of salvation that is the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for the Christmas message. We thank you for the reason that we celebrate in this season. We thank you for a baby in a manger, and we thank you for all of the characters that surrounded that baby there in that place. God, we thank you for the song of Zechariah, which reminds us that when we open our mouths, we need to have something to say. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help all of us this morning to evaluate what we're speaking in this season. Are we preparing the way? Are we declaring the goodness of God? And God, would our words reflect our heart and a love for you, and would they point people to you in greater measure. God, we thank you for the chance to respond to you, and we thank you for your tender mercy that allows us to be forgiven from our sins. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.com.